You're listening to Center Ice on SoundCloud and iTunes. Welcome to Center Ice. It is May 24th. I'm Matthew Mander. Hope you've had a wonderful couple weeks. Mac and I took a week off for the May long weekend, but we are back and we've got a lot of news to get to today. Of course, Stanley Cup Final, the IHF, and all sorts of great stuff. we got a great show lined up for you. But first things first, someone is back in town. And Mac Vincent, you are back from Utah. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, took a couple months just to kind of clear my head and uh, dealing with some personal stuff right now. But I'm happy to be back and great to be doing the show again. You know, we did have some audio quality issues, as you could probably understand, because I was calling in using Skype and Matt was doing his best to make the show sound really good. But we won't have those anymore. And we're really looking forward to getting this going. We do have some exciting news to share, not only on the podcast front, but also something else. Yeah, we do. We, well, Mac, you'll make the lovely announcement about our new endeavor. But, of course, there's so much good going on, right? And we want to, before we make the announcement, we got to thank everybody. All 1,000 of you that have tuned into our podcast. When we started this, you, me, Matt Vernon, a couple years ago, there's no way we thought we'd get this far. I mean, do you remember that first podcast and how disastrous it was? (laughs) I mean, we were just cutting our teeth into how to you know be on air and stuff like that we had no idea how to plan the show we were like low-key speaking it was it was bad but hey guys if you are starting a podcast just a heads up your first one it's gonna it's probably going to be bad but that's okay because that's what you use to make yourself get better every time and like you said we want to thank everyone people from Sweden, Switzerland, all over that have tuned into Center Ice throughout the last couple years. We have no plans on stopping. It's an amazing milestone for us. It seems small in the grand scheme of things, but it really does mean a lot, right, Matt? It really does, and we're both excited for the next 1,000 listens, heck, maybe even 10,000 lessons. The sky is the limit for us, and we do it because of you. We... Every week when we come out, we love to make the best content for you. And as Max said, we're not stopping anytime soon. And also one more announcement. We did announce this on Twitter and Facebook the other day. The National Podcast Network contacted us. We have joined them. So you can find us on their website. Just look up National Podcast Network on Twitter. To find us and many other great podcasts, we're looking forward to a partnership and a growing podcast community. We really do think that podcasting is the future of radio. Yeah, we do. And I've taken a listen to some of those podcasts on the National Podcast Network. They are great. They are really good. We're, as Max said, we're looking forward to working with them. It's a great opportunity for the show. And as we've said many times before, the sky's the limit for us. And it's just another way to expand our horizons. But we've got a lot of news to get into today, Mac. And yes, we are a hockey show, but we got to talk Raptors. And we wouldn't normally talk basketball unless, one, there was absolutely nothing in hockey going on, or two, something monumental might happen. And that's what's happening with the Toronto Raptors right now. 
Yeah, one win away from their first NBA championship appearance. Even if they don't win it, just getting there is amazing because they've been knocking on the door for years. And finally, it seems like they've got, you know, you've got a player in Kawhi Leonard who is playing some of the best basketball in the league right now, even though he's a little bit banged up. It's been awesome watching him this year. And this is a different Raptors team than we've seen before. They're resilient. They Sometimes they go down 12, 15 points, but they never give up. No, They're they always in the game. And Nick Nurse, a guy that no one really knew anything about, had big shoes to fill when he came in to coach this team. And he's done a bang-up job. He really has. And the, the closest resemblance to hockey, for those of you that may not follow basketball a whole lot, is consider it... Compare them to the Pittsburgh Penguins of a couple years ago when they made a coaching change midseason and people weren't quite sure where the Penguins were going to end up. But they rallied, they played for one another, they played better under the new coach, and ultimately they ended up winning the Stanley Cup. So it's very possible that we could see a Raptors team win the NBA championship. And that would be huge, not only for the NBA, but it would be big for Canadian basketball, don't you think? For sure. And I think the one thing that I'm really excited about, like you said, it's it's big for Canadian basketball, is the culture that the fans and the media have created around the Toronto Raptors. I mean, not only do you have Jurassic Park, people watching the game live in the square, which is huge, by the way. They've expanded it even more. And it's become bigger and bigger every year. But you have people watching and tuning in to the Raptors from all over Canada. They are our only basketball team, and they mean a lot to us. So we'll see what happens if they get to the finals. But just making an appearance there is absolutely amazing. And we're in Toronto. I'm from Toronto originally. We are starved for a championship of this caliber. And it would mean a ton to the city to get this done. To me, this is very similar to when the Blue Jays first made the World Series. Not only is it big for Toronto, Toronto was also starving for a real big championship at that time, too. It's very similar, right? The Leafs have had a decent team in the early 90s, but they just couldn't seem to get that cup. It's been a while. And when they won that World Series, I, I, I wasn't alive, but my grandparents were, and they just hearing how excited the whole city of Toronto was and the whole country of Canada was on those two World Series wins, I think we could see something even bigger with the NBA. I mean, I, I would say so, yeah, because first of all, since 1993, the population of Toronto has skyrocketed. <laughs> and also just the way fans interact with the game has changed. I mean, I remember a little bit of that because I was I would have been, what, you know, three, four years old, but you know, not much of it. But I remember stories that my parents would tell me about when they won and people that I've met that have told me those stories. And it's sound, I've seen some videos. There's obviously lots of pictures available. It really was a, just kind of like a moment that the city just, you know, united, got together and celebrated a championship team. To wrap up on the Raptors quickly, the one other thing that I think would be very good is Canadian basketball. If you look at 
the amount of Canadian talent that's coming into the major leagues now, you can bet a lot of those kids mm-hmm. grew up in the 90s watching the Toronto Blue Jays win the World Series. And they may not have gone into baseball otherwise. And then you see how your Blue Jay heroes hitting home runs like Joe Carter walking off the Phillies for a World Series win. You can bet that inspired a lot of kids to get into minor league baseball in the 90s. And I, I think we're going to see that with Canadian basketball as well. Canadian basketball has been growing quite a bit over these past 10 years or so, and I think it's going to continue to grow even more with the way the Raptors have been playing. And you and I often talk about when Canada gets beat, yeah, you and I are upset, but when a team gives Canada a good scare, it's good for the international game of hockey. Because hockey may be Canada's game, but it's great to see it as a global game. And same with basketball. Basketball may be a primarily American sport, but was invented by a guy who grew up just down the road from here, and it, there's always been kind of a Canadian basketball culture. It just It's finally starting to come into its own. Yeah, for sure. We're really excited to see what happens with the Raptors. I mean, both of us feel like they've got this one in the bag. They're going home with a series-clinching game. The crowd is going to be unbelievable. They'll probably be on their feet for the majority of the game, I would think because they're just going to be so excited for the prospects of going to an NBA championship. So we wish them luck, but you know what? Let's get on to some hockey talk. Yep, because we call our show Center Ice for a reason. We're not half court. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, there's a whole bunch of NHL news we got to cover. Of course, Stanley Cup final has been set. You got the St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. We'll get into that a bit later in the show. The IIHF World Hockey Championships is going on right now. And I got to say, it's been a very good World Hockey Championships. Not saying it's not always great, but this one in particular, we've seen a lot of overtime games. We've seen some real nail biters. We've seen a few upsets. We'll get into that as well a bit later. But just to recap, who is in the semifinals? You've got Canada, and you got the Russians, you got the Finns, and you got the Czech. So I'd say that's... I'd say Canada and Russia are the favorites to go for the gold in this. However, as I mentioned to you yesterday when Finland won that game, you can never count out a team like Finland or the Czech Republic. So it's going to be fun to see what happens there. We'll get into that in a few minutes. And, of course, the Sens made a move yesterday, a bit of an unexpected move because people weren't expecting the Sens to hire a coach until next week. But... D.J. Smith is the new head coach of the Ottawa Senators. Now, Mac, as a Leaf fan, you would know a bit more about D.J. Smith than I'd say a lot of people in Ottawa. He was an assistant under Mike Babcock. He has been for a few years now. And the impression I'm getting from NHL player polls and just watching and listening to the radio, watching TV, listening to the radio, hearing experts' opinions and people who know him, sounds like he... He could be a perfect fit for this Ottawa Senators team. I mean, I look at it this way. Not only is he a well-qualified guy, I mean, he's won a Memorial Cup in the OHL. He has been coaching for years and years. Coaching under Mike Babcock is a pretty good thing to have on your resume, I think. But DJ Smith walks into this Senators opportunity with really nothing to lose. I mean, if you're a head coach just trying to cut your teeth in the National Hockey League, what better way to do it than with a team of young players, not 
really high expectations. I'd say no expectations, right. really. Re- really, anything that he can do that's positive will be good for Ottawa and the Senators. So, And he loves to work with young players. He said that before. The only concern that I have with DJ Smith, but as long as the Sens you know, do not have him in charge of penalty killing because he had the Leafs penalty kill responsibilities and the Leafs penalty kill was atrocious last year. But anyway, he's the head coach. They'll have someone else deal with the penalty killing, I'm sure. But DJ Smith is a guy that is well-liked and you mentioned to me yesterday, according to a player poll, he was the most likely assistant coach to become a head coach. So a lot of players really like this guy. I mean, just seeing him at the conference yesterday, he's very approachable. He's already said he's going to work on his French. He hopes to have it down by Christmas. This is a great opportunity for him. And even if Ottawa doesn't work out, just to kind of build his resume and maybe advance to another coaching opportunity. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for him. It's not a very high-risk gamble for the Senators either. They don't have him on a super big contract like someone like a Mike Babcock or Barry Trotz would. So it's not going to eat up a lot of your budget for for staffing. The, I think the players are going to connect with him quite easily. Yeah, I've, I heard uh, from guys like Bozak who were playing under DJ Smith that he was that he's a very approachable guy. Morgan Riley has speak has spoken highly of him. A lot of players in the Leafs' room have. So I think he's going to fit in really well with the Senators. Question is, what type of system will he play? That remains to be seen. Of course, he still has to hire the rest of his staff. The only guy who's staying on is the Senators' goaltending coach. Other than that, he, he'll probably get some new assistants. The one guy I think that will return is Chris Kelly. I think he's got that bond with the players. And when he was brought in as an associate coach, with Mark Crawford towards the end of the season, there was some real potential with Chris Kelly behind the bench, and I don't think the Sens want to lose that to another team. So I can see I can see Chris Kelly being on there, and he may be able to pull some other guys from the Leafs too, for all we know. He, DJ Smith does have a bit of pull. Yeah, we'll see what his coaching staff looks like, but, I mean, it's definitely a good hire. There's no reason to think it's not. And I'm excited to see what DJ can do with the opportunity. You heard Mike Babcock say that he's thrilled for him. And he would not... I'm, I'm sure he didn't want to lose him as a as a coaching staff. But at the same time, he knows the deal. He knows he wants that bigger opportunity. And he's happy for him. So good on Mike Babcock for saying those words. And and like you said, I, I don't think this is a very risky hire for the Sens. I think it's actually extremely low risk. And I think it could really pay off. I mean, this is a guy that has tremendous potential as a head coach in the NHL. Yeah, and the Sens could have taken a more risky hire. There were rumors that Patrick Wall was being interviewed for the head coaching position, and he probably was. But he's such a high-risk hire that I'm glad the Sens didn't go that route because not taking away from anything Patrick Wall has done from a player, but his time in Colorado was a very turbulent one behind the bench, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I just think he's he's better off until he changes his mindset or changes the way he coaches. He's better off coaching the Ramparts. Yeah, and that's where that's really where his bread and butter is when it comes to coaching. Yeah. And the other one that was rumored was Jacques Martin, of course, former Senators head coach in the early two thousands. 
I like Jacques Martin, but I'm glad that they didn't go that route because Jacques Martin plays a very structured game. He's a guy who likes working with more established players. And you can see that throughout his coaching career when he was playing with guys like Sidney Crosby, Daniel Alfredson, guys who aren't just breaking into the league. That's where he really strives, and that's why I'm glad that they didn't take him because it, the Sens are a very young team, and they need a young coach to complement that. DJ Smith is the second youngest coach in the NHL now. So it's a good hire for the Sens. It's not a very risky one. It's going to be interesting to see what type of systems he's going to get the Sens to play. I think we're going to see a very similar system to the way the Maple Leafs play. Of course, being under Mike Babcock, we're going to see some similarities. Yeah, and that's to me, that's exciting if you're a Sens fan because the Leafs, they play an up-tempo game. They love the stretch pass. They love to utilize their puck-moving defensemen. So I think you'll see Thomas Shabbat a little more involved in terms of you know, making kind of aggressive plays with the puck and getting it to the forwards. I think this means a guy like Brady Kachuk will use his speed a little more. And the guys that are coming up for the Senators, they're really good skaters, really talented players. And, of course, I just think that we'll see what the rest of the coaching staff looks like. But he definitely wants to bring that up-tempo style to the Sens because not only are you trying to build you know, your brand and your hockey team, but you're trying to make it exciting for the fans to come to the rink again despite Eugene Melnick. Yeah, you got to have a good product on the ice. If if the team is good enough, no one will care about the owner. That's the thing. If the Sens were in the Stanley Cup final right now, how many people do you think would be complaining about Eugene Melnick? I don't think a whole lot of people would. The Sens, I, I think the up-tempo pace will work for them. Of course, you mentioned guys like Shabbat, Brady Kachuk, but guys like White, Brown, Formanton's coming up, and you and I both have seen how fast he can skate. It'll be a good system for the Sens to play in. The defense, I do have some concerns with, but Pierre Dorian's got to make some moves over the offseason regarding that. But the Sens, I like the direction they're heading. I like that they're not rushing this rebuild. At least that's what the impression I'm getting as a fan. But as long as they don't rush, I think we could see a not a contending team for the Sens in a few years, but a team that could push for a wild card spot. Yeah, I think that's the direction they're heading in. And some of these contracts that they still have left over, like, for example, a guy like Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson's not a bad goalie, but the contract that you made, you gave him was a little too high. But anyway, I'm sure they will they will sort that out. They have a ton of young players and prospects, very good system, and very we've mentioned this before, very good development team. So, again, we've said this, I don't even know how many times, but we're going to say it again. There's only one thing that's going to prevent the Senators from becoming a really good team in a few years, and that's the man up top. Yep. As long as Eugene Malik can keep his hands away from hockey ops, the Sens will be fine. We've seen it countless times. From the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA. When the owners try and get involved in the sports day-to-day business, it never goes well. You and I, well, let's say we're owning, I don't know, the the Ottawa Senators, right? Mm-hmm. You and I may think we know, okay, Brady Kachuk, we got to have him on all the time, right? 
sells tickets, he's a great player, he scores goals, he's a hard-hitting guy. You and I may think that's the best for him, best for the hockey team, but do we really? We don't, we don't have the experience that guys like Pierre Dorian and DJ Smith, Mike Babcock, and all the other guys, those guys have been around hockey for years. They know the game. They know the players. It, it just it doesn't work if you're an owner and you think you know better than your management. Never does. So I'll leave it at that, but let's move on to the Stanley Cup Final. Now, we're not going to get right into the Stanley Cup Final. We do got to give some love to our two runners up this year. We got the Carolina Hurricanes and the San Jose Sharks. I'd say two teams, as of right now, one's going up, one's going down. Now, of course, offseason moves have yet to be made. But of the two teams, Carolina, in my opinion, is going up. San Jose is going down. But as you and I mentioned before we started the show, San Jose could make some moves this offseason to get younger, get faster, and keep that cup window open because they've had a, I'd say for 10 years now, they've had a solid cup window open and they've made one Stanley Cup final appearance and injuries really hurt them this year. I think if San Jose had guys like Pavelski and Carlson out there in game six, we might have seen a game seven. Does St. Louis win that game seven? It's a good possibility. That you and I mentioned a couple weeks ago that th- that would be a very, very even series. And for the most part, it was. But when the injuries started catching up to San Jose, St. Louis just took over. Yeah, that's true. The The injuries certainly were a factor. But, I mean, you know, it's it's playoff time. It's You're playing for an appearance in the Stanley Cup. This is everything that you've ever wanted if you talk to those players. And I think they just – it was almost as if they just kind of ran out of gas late in that series. And we – we saw that kind of in the Vegas series last year. They had an excellent opening to that series, and they were dominant those first couple games. And then after that, they got smoked. And credit to the St. Louis Blues. They they played a very well-structured defensive game. They really started to move their feet more than before in the series. Jaden Schwartz is a prime candidate to win a Conn Smythe if the Blues can win the cup Jordan Bennington is absolutely unbelievable you know if I rewind back to when the Calder finalists were announced I'll admit that because he had played fewer games and I was a little bit unsure of how he was going to play in the playoffs I was saying I don't know if he deserves this award but man I have changed my mind give this man the Calder (laughs) right now Jordan Bennington has been one of the best stories of the whole season. The Blues have. when you, you, If you and I were doing Santa Rice in January, no way we would have. We would have told, told you guys St. Louis needs to, to trade some guys off. They, there's no way they're making anywhere, any push for the playoffs. Can't even think about a Stanley Cup. And here they are, four games away from winning their first Stanley Cup. It, it's just an incredible story. It is absolutely incredible. And I'd love to see it for the fans of St. Louis. It's been 50 years, almost, since they made the Stanley Cup Final. Of course, there's that that goal. You know which one I'm talking about. The famous Bobby Orr flying goal to win the Stanley Cup, sweep the St. Louis Blues. And it's funny how 
it almost comes full circle, huh? The Blues make it back to the Stanley Cup final, and who do they see as their opponent? Well, it's the Big Bad Bruins. Of course, no one's left from that team. But it, it is funny how those types of things work, eh? It really is. And if you look at the history of the St. Louis Blues, I mean, it's not like that they have not been knocking on the door for the last 10 years. They have. They've made playoff appearances numerous times, and they've come close. The only thing that's been holding them back has been the goaltending. This year, that's not the story. That's what's been propelling them. And once again, credit to Jordan Biddington. I can't, I mean, this is like Cam Ward, Ken Dryden stuff we're seeing. It really is unbelievable. So appreciate what you're seeing from Bennington. And I see no reason why he's not going to continue to play this way against the Bruins. No, there's no reason why he won't continue to play that way. We, ha- I remember back in round one, you and I had a bit of doubts on joining Bennington, especially after the Blues were up 2-0 against the Jets and the Jets come back. They played two great games in St. Louis. And you and I, and I'm sure I can find the clip, you and I saying, well, is this it for Jordan Bennington? Is this Cinderella story over? Well, he proved us wrong. Very wrong. And I'm glad to say so. I like being proven wrong sometimes. And this is a case where I am happy to be proven wrong because I love Cinderella stories. I love underdog stories. I know you do as well. A lot of hockey fans do. And St. Louis has just been the ultimate underdog story. It kind of it reminds me of, uh, what's the team? The, the one in the Premier League. I can't remember. Uh, f- the Foxes, that's it. You remember the you know, thousand to one odds to win the Premier League? It was more than that. It was more, much more than that. You, you do have to, if you're a Premier League list, fan listening to this, you'll do have to excuse, excuse me, the, of, the, of the sports I follow, Premier League is probably pretty far down. I try to get into it, but it's a bit tough. Anyways, that's not the point. The point is, it's very similar where odds are stacked against them, and I'll tell you, teams with no expectations are the most dangerous teams. Just look at teams like St. Louis. No expectations whatsoever, and they were the most dangerous team down the second half of the season in, in, in the playoffs. It's fantastic. When anyway, you have no expectations, it is very dangerous. Let's go back to the Sharks. We mentioned that they have an opportunity here to maybe kind of rebrand their team. Not only do you have a lot of cap space, but you have significant cap space. Like I think this is the most cap space they've had in years. So I think you have to decide, you know, what, what's your core group here? I do think they want to bring back Pavelski. I mean, he's, he's everything to that team. I think it would be a mistake not to bring him back, but I would say probably a shorter term deal. Remember they, they're playing for their Stanley cup window. Make a smart decision. He will take a hometown discount, I think. Oh, absolutely, especially being so close to the Stanley Cup Finals this year. And he knows a lot of the younger core is going to come back. And if, especially if Pavelski is seeing that they might sign some big-name free agents, for example, there's no reason why he wouldn't come back. He loves playing in San Jose. You're right, he probably will take a hometown discount. Another guy that might take a hometown discount would be Joe Thornton. Now, question is, will Joe Thornton retire this offseason? It's a good question because he's been playing for 20 years. And there were times during the playoffs where he just you could see the age was catching up to him. 
But, of course, now and again, Joe Thornton will go out there and he'll make an excellent play. And Joe Thornton is almost like Yamir Yager now, where he came in in the 90s, completely different style of hockey when he started playing. Yet he's still, he's a, he's still playing because he's found a way to adapt his game. And it's, it's quite remarkable, especially if you look at a game from even 10 years ago now, it's a completely different type of hockey game. Still a lot more hitting. It, is, it was speeding up, but not like today's game. Today's game is so fast. And Joe Thornton, even though he may not be the fastest guy out there, you got to give him credit for being able to stick with a lot of those guys. I thought I thought in the playoffs he really started to come around, especially as they got deeper into the playoffs. And they had some injury problems with, you mentioned guys like Pavelski, Hurdle. I mean, these guys were banged up. Carlson. I thought he was one of their better players in that St. Louis series, despite the result. And yeah, you know he's you know he's going to be forty years old. He's a future Hall of Famer, all that. But I think if you ask every single playoff team, would you like to have Joe Thornton on your playoff team? They would say one hundred percent yes. Sign him. So. There is a possibility he goes elsewhere because maybe maybe his his time with the Sharks is done. Maybe he's he sees another opportunity that he really likes. We don't know. He mentioned in his post-game press conference, not sorry, post-game interview, he doesn't know what he's going to do yet. He's going to take some time and evaluate. There have been whispers of him um going to Europe possibly. We don't know what's going to happen. I hope he's back. I love Joe Thornton. He's been just a treat to follow throughout his career. Such a classy guy. Just a great a great guy for um, Canadian hockey players and other hockey players to look up to. The other thing about Joe Thornton is even when he wasn't performing at his peak during the playoffs, you knew he was a leader on that bench. In that Game 7 against Vegas, you can bet he was telling the young guys, you know, don't give up. We're going to get back in this game. That's leadership, and leadership is something that you can't measure as a statistic, but it's it's super valuable. When you can get a guy who has the experience like Joe Thornton, can still play reasonably well, and has that leadership skill, it's a perfect fit. As you mentioned, if you ask any team in these playoffs, would you want Joe Thornton on your team? Of course they'd all say yes, and there's a reason why they'd say yes. Now, you mentioned Eric Carlson being injured. Eric Carlson as an Ottawa fan, almost looks like a different player out there now than he did when he last played his last game in Ottawa. He is. And I like it. I, I really do. I like it. He's a much more two-way defenseman now, and it, I think it's really helping his career. He may not be putting up the 60, 70 points that he used to in Ottawa, but if you had to ask me a couple years ago when the Sens were in Game 7 of that Stanley Cup Final, would I rather have the Carlson that's going to take the risks and go up the ice and try and score points, or the one that's going to be the two-way defenseman who will take his opportunities in the offensive zone and play good defense at your end of the ice? I honestly got to say I'd take the two-way defenseman Carlson because defense is so important nowadays, and with Carlson's speed, even with the injuries he's had, he's such an incredible player. And his skating ability is amazing. And to think if Eric Carlson was at full health, that might have given San Jose an edge in that series. 
Might have. Wouldn't, maybe. Won't maybe. say will because right. St. Louis was a very good team. Jordan Bennington, you and I mentioned he was unstoppable. And St. Louis found their footing in that series. But you know a full, a fully healthy Eric Carlson is an X factor. And yep. if he's playing the w- – if he's playing that two-way game, as we've seen him play at times during the season, San Jose's defense is incredible, and Eric Carlson would make a huge difference out there. And I think, like you mentioned about the two-way defenseman he's kind of become, I think a lot of teams would be more interested in a steady two-way defender like that who you know takes less risks and doesn't have to play a ton of minutes every single night, I think they'd be more interested in that because the thing about the way he played before is you're pretty much destined to get injured or banged up or something when you play that high-tempo, high-speed game because you're going to get hit, you're going to uh, make some high-risk plays that could result in injuries, and I think... He just doesn't have that in him anymore, and he's he's realized that. But the thing about Carlson is not only do the Sharks want to re-sign him, there are several other teams that would be highly interested in acquiring Carlson. Take Vancouver, for example. He would be a great fit in Vancouver with a young team that is desperate for a really good all-around puck-moving defenseman. Yeah, and I think Eric Carlson is almost becoming like a Giordano-type player where He's a very solid two-way defenseman. One of the reasons I like him, I'm talking Giordano, is he's a good two-way defenseman. And if you look, if you're a good enough two-way defenseman, the points will come. That's the thing. Giordano, very good on the defensive end, but the points still came for him. And he's, of course, he's got the Norris nod this year. He could very well win it. And I think Eric Carlson could could very well be that type of player next year if he gets a good offseason and can fully recover. Yeah, and the the thing about the Sharks is that I think it's probably going to come down to who they keep. But even if you sign one of Pavelski or Carlson, that still leaves you with ample cap space. And like I said, this is an opportunity to really work on your team and get the most out of it. I mean, you can extend your cup window. And, and I get it. I know how frustrating it is to be a Sharks fan. But remember where the Blues have been, see where they're at now. They're making a Stanley Cup appearance. We'll see what happens. The Sharks have made a Stanley Cup appearance, and they've been knocking on the door for 10 years now. So sometimes it just takes time. Sometimes it just takes the right opportunity. It will be interesting to see if maybe there's some trades explored. Do they... I wonder if Martin Jones is the guy to lead this team to a championship. I wonder if they would pursue trading Martin Jones because, to me, he was way outplayed by Bennington in that last series. The series before that, I thought he was pretty good with against Grubauer, but Grubauer was still better than him. And even if you go back to the round one series, Fleury was better than him as well. The only reason that they won was because they had an extended power play uh, to finish the game. Game 7, of course. So I'm interested to see what the Sharks do here because Doug Wilson knows that... He knows when to pull the plug. If something's not working, you know, maybe it's... I don't know, maybe they'll trade a Vander Kane. Like, 
There's many things this team could do. I think it's going to be a really interesting offseason for the Sharks, but I think we should move on and talk about that other team that got eliminated and was a great story this season, the Carolina Hurricanes. You mean the bunch of jerks? Because, you know, it was such a good story. Don Cherry, you know, I I almost wanted Carolina to win that series just because I wanted to see Don Cherry have to go to Carolina for... I believe I believe it would have game yeah it would have been game number three because you know good old Don Les Cherry if you've watched Hockey Night in Canada Stanley Cup Finals for any amount of time you know it's a tradition for Don Cherry to go to the go to the venue and open up the game with Ron McLean at ringside and wouldn't that have been something all the Carolina fans waving their bunch of jerk towels with Don Cherry at the glass <laughs> come on that would have been worth it on its own. That's true. That's true. Unfortunately, we won't get to see that. Maybe next year. But Carolina, as I mentioned when I first brought it up, Carolina is on the upswing. I really like the direction Carolina is going in. I think Mraz getting injured in the Boston series really hurt them. Not that McElhaney didn't pull his weight, but when you looked at Carolina, it almost looked like they were out of gas. That they played two really good rounds of hockey, and... You could tell they get, they put in a good effort against the Bruins, but the Bruins were rested, they were healthy, they were ready to go. Tuka Rask was outstanding, and I think the experience also won out in the end because the Bruins' core has been there for... Uh, the main core has been there since they won the Stanley Cup in 2011, and they know how to win in the conference finals. Yeah, not only did they run out of gas, like you mentioned, I just think they their lack of scoring depth really hurt them in that series. And I think Sebastian Ajo has been banged up, was banged up in the playoffs. He got injured late in the season, and he was not as dynamic as he normally is. That's nothing new. Plenty of players get injured. But, I mean, you're talking about their best offensive player by far, the guy who gets everything done for the Hurricanes. And the secondary scoring just wasn't there. You know, you had other guys that were banged up as well. So just an unfortunate end to the season for Carolina. But if you look at that season and you look at the expectations that were there, which, to be honest, weren't much, it is absolutely a success. Now, what's interesting about Carolina is they're in a position, if they would like to, to make some huge moves this offseason – do they do that, or I don't think will they, they do. kind of stick with this rebuild plan they've got going? I think you might see a few moves by Carolina, but I think they're smart. They know they want to stick their course because I've talked about it many times on Center Ice here that when you go all in and you make the big splash moves, you're always taking a risk, especially on those big money deals. Yeah, you're getting in a good player, but... You've got some great chemistry in that locker room right now. I wouldn't mess with it a whole lot. I do think you want to make a few moves, maybe bring in a, a solid guy who can bring in that scoring depth, as you said, or maybe a bit more defensive depth. Not a, you've got some room to work with. That's the advantage the Hurricanes have. If they won't, they could improve on all levels if they really wanted to. But do I think they make some big moves? I don't think so. I think that they know the direction they're headed. They know they're still a very young team. They've got some growing to do. And I think we're going to see a relatively quiet offseason from the Hurricanes. 
Yeah, I think so too. I think maybe there's one big move there. I don't know how how big it is, but I, I do think they're going to stick with the plan. There's no reason for them not to. And the one thing you have to remember about this Hurricanes team is Don Waddell did not build this Hurricanes team. This Hurricanes team was built by Ron Francis. Don Waddell did make a few good moves, and credit to him for doing that, bringing in McElhaney, bringing in Mrazek, and a few other guys that he brought in. But really, 90% of this team was built by Ron Francis. So good on him. And I really hope that the Hurricanes continue to improve next year. There's no reason not to think they won't be back in the playoffs. Andrei Svechnikov's development is scary for the rest of the NHL because this is a guy who's big, strong. He can go to the net. He's got a fantastic shot. And as a two-way player, he really impressed me this year how much effort he put into improving that two-way game. So the Carolina Hurricanes are holding their heads high, and there's no reason they shouldn't going to the offseason. All right, let's move on to the Stanley Cup Final. And it's a very interesting Stanley Cup Final. Of course, I mentioned earlier how it's kind of come full circle. They've got St. Louis looking for their first Stanley Cup championship against the team they last played when they made the Stanley Cup Final, the Boston Bruins. And this is going to be a very good series here. I think... Between Tuka Rask and Jordan Bennington, we're going to see quite the battle between the two. Tuka Rask in these playoffs has really seemed to found, find the old Tuka Rask, if you ask me. He's been outstanding. Does he outduel Jordan Bennington? I, I, it's a tough thing. I, I see you shrugging your shoulders over there, and I would have to do the same because oh, it's hard to, s- to say how two goaltenders will duel until we see game one and two. Really. I mean, I mean, you're talking about the two best goalies in the playoffs, and it's no coincidence that they're both in the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, they are the two best goaltenders, without a doubt, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, admittedly, I kind of like Jordan Bennington just a little more, but that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean a whole lot because Tuka Rask, when he needs to make the big saves, he'll do it. Same with Jordan Bennington. So it's gonna be. A very tough time for the scorers in the Stanley Cup Final. Now, of course, Boston's got some big-name scorers. You've got, got, of course, you've got Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. It's going to be a real tough series for the St. Louis Blues defenders. But St. Louis has got a good defense core. Oh, they really do. They've had a great defense core for years, and they still do. I, I still think this is one of the best decors in the NHL. Uh, every single year and they they do everything they can to minimize the quality shots Bennington faces so not only is he making 10 bell saves every night but they're limiting those quality opportunities and they know because they have confidence in Bennington and he has confidence in them and that works wonders especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs it's the exact same thing with the Boston Bruins What's interesting to me, though, when you look at these two teams is they're very similar. They both play a bit of a heavy game. They play the possession. They have great goaltending. They're very good defensively. They're veteran teams. I mean, you look at their number one centers, Ryan O'Reilly and Patrice Bergeron, two guys that are up for the Selkie every single year. How similar is that? And then you look down the lineup, they're built kind of similarly. They have a bit of size there with a guy like Pat Maroon. And you look at, you know, Charlie Coyle down there. 
a little bit of size for the Boston Bruins. So I, I this is a really, really close series, and it's a tough one to call. I just think that uh, it's. I don't. I don't know if it's going to come down to the goalies. I think it may come down to the scoring depth on these teams, and they will be tested because if you look at the Boston Bruins, and this is not me just saying this as a Leafs fan. This is true. The Leafs gave the Bruins the toughest run of any team they faced, including Absolutely. Columbus, including anyone else. So. If you look at the depth that the Leafs have scoring-wise, the Blues have comparable depth right now, the way they're performing in the playoffs. Because not only do you have your big guys going, like Tarasenko, Schwartz, Shen, O'Reilly, you have a guy like David Perron, Pat Maroon, Robert Thomas, the kid, who really talented kid. So it'll be fascinating. I mean, um, I like the Blues. I just think it's their year. I, I just think that they've been on this tremendous run really ever since the halfway point of the season. And I, I don't know. I The Boston Bruins could easily win this series, but I'm going to take the Blues. All right. Well, one more thing I got to say is I think the penalty kill and the power play will be key for both teams. Of course, Boston's power play has been almost unstoppable in these playoffs. But St. Louis, you can't underestimate St. Louis' special teams either. They've been good when they need to be good. I think St. Louis's penalty kill will match up well against the Boston Bruin power play. And I think if they can find a way to limit that power play and limit the opportunities the Bruins get on the power play, I think that will really give them an edge in this series. Now, when it comes to making a prediction, as you said, it's very tough. And I'm not going to make a lot of friends here. My heart wants St. Louis. My brain is saying Boston. Fair Just, enough. Yeah, I, I get like that. I like what Rask has done. They're an experienced team. There's guys on in that lineup that have won a Stanley Cup before. Of course, guys like Chara, Bergeron, Marchand. These guys know how to win late in the playoffs. And I really want St. Louis to win. But the brain is telling me something, right? As good old Don Cherry says, his heart is with Boston. His brain was with Vancouver. That was from 2011. And ultimately, the Bruins ended up winning that series. So he was probably happy either way. But that's how I'm. That's the stance I'm going to take here. Let it be known, Mac, that I'm going for St. Louis, but the brain is going for Boston. Fair enough. Okay, so I'll take St. Louis. Matt takes Boston. It, it will be a great Stanley Cup. Easy. I mean, you could not ask for a better Stanley Cup final, guys. These are two top-end teams there's no reason they won't be top-end teams next year. I think, if anything, the St. Louis Blues will be even better and could potentially you know, push for like a President's Trophy. Not that that matters because a lot of times the President's Trophy doesn't matter. But anyway, it'll be fascinating to watch. It's, it's going to be a great series. We're looking forward to getting that going on Monday. We hate that we have to wait, but you know we do. In the meantime... IHF, like we mentioned, Russia versus Finland, Canada versus Czech Republic. Again, co couldn't really ask for a better semifinal matchup and potential final between four really good teams. Yeah, four very solid teams. Canada, Russia is always a lot of fun. It doesn't matter whether it's women's, men's, juniors, Olympics. It's always 
a great time. There's a great rivalry between the two teams. They seem to bring out the best in one another. On the Czech Republic-Finland side, I really like Finland this year. You and I watched them upset Sweden yesterday, and of course, Ray Ferraro came on and said, well, it's a big upset. And I said, well, no, it isn't. And the main reason I say that is because the Finnish hockey program is, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated in the world. Not saying that people don't overlook it a whole lot, but when you look at Finland whenever they enter a tournament, they always seem to surprise people, right? Oh man, Finland's competing for gold or they're competing for a medal, right? But Finland consistently, whether it's their women's team, their men's team, their junior team, they're always in the hunt for a medal. And I really like the Finnish team here. I think that they very well could compete for a gold. They've beaten yeah. a very tough Sweden team. Of course, you had guys like William Nylander who were putting up great numbers at the Worlds. You had Henrik Lundqvist in net, and the Finns still found a way to beat them. So I really like the Finnish team here. I think that they can take down the Czech Republic team. Not to take anything away from what the Czechs have done, because they have a pretty solid team over there too. But when it comes between the two of those teams, I like the Finnish team just a bit more. So I think we're going to see Canada, Finland in the final. I think Canada will edge out Russia just a little. I think they've got a bit more NHL depth on the Canadian side. I think that Matt Murray's had a solid Worlds, and I think guys like Mark Stone will put them over the edge there. I'm not going to try and predict the medal game because obviously we don't know it. So it's going to be fun, though. It's going to be a lot of fun. These have been a great Worlds. Yeah, for sure. So uh, our last note of the day, we did want to talk about this. We've been meaning to talk about it for a while. We want to talk about the state of the EA Sports NHL video game franchise. So a little bit of background about Matt and I. I mean, we have been playing and following the NHL, you know, playing every pretty much every EA Sports NHL game since we picked up a console or had it on PC for me. It goes back a little farther than Matt, but that doesn't really matter. The point is, what what is the state of the EA NHL franchise? And really, it it's an interesting one because you look at the game itself, and first of all, I mean, most video games these days are not worth 80 bucks. No, there's very few. Hey, you and I talked video games yesterday. We agreed... Games like Red Dead Redemption 2 mm-hmm. and those types of games, the very solid experience. Games like Fallout New Vegas, those are $80 experiences. You get a lot out of them. But NHL isn't worth $80 in my opinion. And you can tell because every year after... So a prime example, when NHL 20 comes out in August, NHL 19 is going to drop. Yep, It's going to be... I think right now you can get it at EB Games for 50 60 bucks. That's already a, a $30 drop from where it was back in September when it first came out. And it's going to probably drop down to 20 bucks by the time September rolls around. Vide- sports video games don't have a big resale value. And the only reason EA is charging the $80 is because they don't have any competition. That's right. And, I mean, the... They do. There are some good features of the game. I mean, I will admit that the GM mode this year is a lot of fun. Not only <clears throat> GM mode has become my favorite mode over time. Maybe that's because I enjoy managing teams and stuff like that. And you know, we're both big into hockey. But 
I just like all the other game modes are, <clears throat> excuse me, completely unnecessary, and most of them are terrible. I will admit that if you've got a friend over, or you know maybe you're playing a friend online and you're playing them in threes, where you pick a team like, uh, like I was playing my buddy Gabe in threes. He was Finland and I was Russia, and we you know up the sliders to the maximum <laughs> speed. And we played like something like four overtimes and I won like 12, 11. That is fun. I think they need to, there are times when you can be realistic about the game. Like, yeah, you know, GM mode should be realistic. And they, I think they've done a really good job with GM mode. I'll give them that. Everything else about the game is they're way too focused on what's realistic and they're way too focused on one particular game mode, which is the moneymaker, Hockey Ultimate Team. I I used to love Hockey Ultimate Team because it was a nice, simple game mode. You could play it casually, and you could play online. You get decent rewards. But Hockey Ultimate Team, in my opinion, is such a grind nowadays. Of course, you've got skill zoners, and you and I, were, <laughs> when, when NHL 19 came out, you and I thought, okay, maybe this is the year. They finally stopped skill zoning, right? They, but no. It's not as bad as 18 was. 18 was atrocious. The amount of times you and I would go on a hockey ultimate team and face a skill zoner was mm-hmm. far too high. But that's not to say that it doesn't happen. And I, and I get why people do it. It's an easy way to win. But it's not the proper way to play the game. Yeah, it's it's silly because, you know, I I think I think a lot of people that pick up NHL and play that way probably have never played hockey before. They play that way because they know it's an easy way to win and it's a shortcut and an advantage. But that aside, you know, they they put all their resources into that particular game mode. But if you look at the you just open up a menu in NHL and you download it or whatever after you've just bought it. It's about you know, 40, 50 gigs on your PlayStation or Xbox. It's got, let's see, you've got, I don't know, you've got Be A Pro Mode, which nobody ever plays, and it's terrible. It's not even comparable to any of the other modes. Even Madden has figured out their Be A Pro Mode with the um, with the new Pro Mode they came out with a couple years ago. NBA's had it figured out And meanwhile, out NHL is just awful. So... A lot of people, you know, come around this time. They don't really play the game. People tend to play the game for, you know, four or five months, and then they get bored of it, and for good reason. There's only so much you can do with this game, and if you're spending, you know, $70, $80, even if you get it on sale, it's just not worth it. So I, I, would be, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point they're going to have to go to some kind of subscription-based service to sell these games because I can't imagine the sales numbers on EA NHL are very good. No, I don't think they're as good as they once were. In my opinion, the peak of the NHL series was between NHL 11 and NHL 14 on the Xbox 360, PlayStation 3 because those were the games where they just perfected the skating, the feel of hockey. They, they had some competition in NHL 2K and you may love NHL 2K and you may hate NHL 2K, but it was competition for EA, so they had to bring their A game. Otherwise, you go to the competition. That's why, as much as 
NBA 2K has kind of gone down in recent years, I have a feeling they're going to rebound stronger next year because NBA Live for EA is actually, it's gotten a lot better than what it was when it first came out, a few when it relaunched a few years ago. They know that to beat NBA 2K, you ha- you can't just... You can't just set, put your na- the NBA logo on it, the EA Sports logo, and sell it. You have to make it better than NBA 2K. And that's a pretty tall order because I remember picking up NBA 2K. I think it was NBA 2K 13, 14, when they, when they really found their stride, right, for the NBA 2K series and putting it in a disc. I'm not, you and I aren't the biggest basketball guys. Of course, we like the Raptors right now. But I put it in. And I, my mind was blown. I thought, this is what a sports game can be? Because the the presentation was fantastic. It looked like you were watching a TV broadcast of of NBA on TNT. You had a, you had a Kenny the Jet Smith and Shaq and all those guys mm-hmm. doing the pregame. Mm-hmm. And they were genuine. And you had, you had commentary that d- didn't repeat itself a lot. You had a halftime show where not only would they give good analysis – but they give, they give some scores from other games. They give you updates. The other thing that I loved about it is when you went to be a GM mode, you could set it so you could actually interact with the players. It wasn't just hit a button, okay, I'll get back to you later tonight uh, in NHL. But you could interact with the, with the players. You could, t- you could decide what you want to say to them. You could negotiate with their agents. You could... You could you could sign them anytime. You didn't have to wait till their contract expires, so you could extend them. You could really negotiate. Same with in be a be a pro. You you went through a bit of a story mode. You had press conferences. You had endorsement deals you could sign. It it's incredible. They're just the it's the polish, right? And it's the care that goes into it. If NHL had things like you could negotiate your contract and be a pro and do press conferences and all that sort of fun stuff. And same with BGM mode. If you could really negotiate early with your top players, a prime example is I, I have a bit of a dynasty going from NHL 17. And I think I'm the Calgary Flames in there. And Johnny Goudreau is just lighting it up for my team. But I know his contract's coming up a year from now. So I, you know, I'd love to be able to negotiate in the offseason, the season before his contract. Once I'm able, I'd love to be able to go in and start negotiations, right? Wouldn't that be fantastic to be able to sign your top players early so then you don't have to to try every offseason? It would just make things a whole lot easier and a lot more realistic because how often do you, you know very often when there are big contracts coming up, if you're a GM, you want to get that contract done and dealt with as soon as you can. Yeah, and they they've made some improvements. Oh yeah, not saying it's all bad. But but you know, I agree with you that they really need to take a look at this franchise and where it's at, and uh, you know, realize that the only thing that's keeping them going is the money they're making off of Ultimate Team, and really, they're only giving you one other really good game mode to play, and that's just not worth eighty dollars. It's worth. You know, maybe they lower the price of the game. I don't know. But to me, every year, less and less people buy this game. And the other thing is the cover players they pick are always... Sometimes they get it right, but most of the time they don't. I like I like P.K. Subban, don't get me wrong. 
but he should not be a cover player on an NHL game. Maybe a few years ago when he was in Montreal. Maybe. I mean, last year they had McDavid. Great. Nothing wrong with that. And then you go to Subban? Who, who do you want on the cover of the next NHL game? Give me, saying- give me McKinnon, Kucherov, you know, someone like that. Yeah, I could see it. Maybe a guy like Logan Couture after the playoffs he's had. Someone that that is, uh, you know, better than PK. Austin Subban. Matthews, I'd like to see. Or sure, Mitch Marner, that'd be really cool. Again, like you can't just put guys like PK Subban on the cover when you've got. You look back at the kind of the players they've had. They've had Kane. They've had Taze. They've had McDavid. You know, and you look back and back. And to me, they they've really got to step that up. But you know, we could talk all day about this. But the point of the matter is, we're concerned with where the franchise is going, and both of us are pretty much done with buying this game for full price. It's just not, it's just not worth it. And uh, really, the only thing that we tend to enjoy is playing GM mode at this point. And even that's kind of gotten a bit stale. Yeah, I love. I will admit, I love the new scouting system. That's one of the best additions that they've put in in a long time. But everything else about it is kind of stale. It's super easy to win the Stanley Cup nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> I can win this. I can take, I think, oh, yeah. The, the last time you and I had fun, just to wrap it up, because we're starting to run short on time, is last summer, Mac and I opened NHL 18. We made the Hartford Whalers. That team, the expansion team, was just brutal. <laughs> it was probably one of the worst. Te- it was the worst team in the league by far. Yep. And we 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 were tanking on purpose. We knew, we were trying to exploit the system, and we kept trying to we kept redoing the draft lottery because Vancouver, Vancouver, kept getting the the first overall pick. <laughs> we and Vancouver had a good season in the game too. It was so strange, yeah. And eventually we got we got the first pick. We got Darlene. Yeah. And w- as soon as we, we gave s- up a ton to get him too, we gave up Kuznetsov and like two first round picks because we just we, we could not lose Dalian. We we forfeited our entire year to get him. But we, we were not going to take no for an answer. We won the Stanley Cup. Yes. The thing is, as soon as you take control in NHL, which I know a lot of people do. Because I don't like just simulating through the season. You can win the Stanley Cup quite easily. You could have the worst team in the game. And you can take them, like Mac and I did, from record bads to record highs in Stanley Cups within a year. It's not, it's not much of a grind, even on the difficult, higher difficulty levels. I'd love to see that fixed where it's a bit more of a challenge to win a championship. Because then it means more. And you actually have to, make, you actually have to think of moves. So making it a bit di- more difficult would be nice. Yeah, but that's how. That's where I'm gonna wrap it on EA. If you got anything else to, add, I'm. No, I mean pretty you. much. I'm very suspect of what the next game will be. I mean, I'm not. I'm definitely not buying it at full price. I may not buy it. I don't know at all. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um. But anyway, uh, I think that's going to do it for the episode it's great to be back here great to be back in studio uh great to be back in canada and um we want to thank everyone for the listens on the last few shows we know they were um not the best because of you know me calling in from the states and stuff like that but we'll be back in studio from now on and i want to thank matt for helping with those and 
once again, we're, we're grateful for everyone that has listened to us throughout those two years. And we hope you continue to stick with us. And once again, thank you to the National Podcast Network for inviting us on to join. We're thrilled to be there. You know where to find us. Find us on iTunes under Center Ice in Podcasts. Look for that logo with the blue and red. And also, you can find us on SoundCloud under Center Ice. We are going to work on getting our podcast on several other sources. Stay tuned for that, but thanks for listening. For Matt, I'm Mac, signing off. Enjoy the games.